My guest this week is a singer, songwriter, actress, comedian, screen queen, model, producer, photographer, and director with one of the most well-rounded careers in the industry. On TV, she has appeared on classics Phyllis, Barnaby Jones, Happy Days, and was one of the several successive Chrissy Snows on Three's Company. In film, she is best known for her role in the horror classic The Hills Have Eyes. I'm delighted to talk to Susan Lanier Bramley. Known as Susan Lanier. <laughs> Lanier. Yeah. Yeah. Quick question. It's a dumb question. I'm a sports fan. Any relation to Hal Lanier? No, I don't, not that I know of, but, you know, it's kind of a common name down south. So there's Lake Lanier and it's a big Georgia name. So where some of my people came from. So, yeah, it's a southern name. Right. I remember when I was a kid, he was the manager of the Houston Astros against the Mets in the playoffs. So. Oh, I've never met him. So. Okay. All right. So I listened to your song, um, Going to Woodstock. Oh. On the way to Woodstock. What prompted you to write that song? Well, it's kind of a true story. Um, um, I, we all, I was living at 128 St. Mark's Place in the Lower East Side of New York. And everybody in the building was, I mean, under 25, I guess. And, um, Woodstock was happening and we all packed up. There was an older guy named Bob and we got convinced him to pack up his van. And uh, we took a bunch of pot and, um, and tried to get to Woodstock, but we were a little bit late taking off. And so by the time we got there, it was pouring down rain and, and the van got stuck in the mud and um, we never quite made it to Woodstock. But I mean, we were in the town of Woodstock, but we couldn't, get to the stage because we the mud had completely demolished everything and the roads and everything and so we turned around and went back and i decided to write a song about it it's, it's a fun little song it's it's really nice and you went into labor uh yeah i had a I had a kid shortly thereafter oh. yeah mm -hmm. it, that part was kind of um songwriter's license yeah a little bit uh-huh yeah I, he was born a couple of months later so but it was i was very pregnant um when i was on the way to woodstock so yeah my father made it from from queens to woodstock he he, he went lucky very yeah. lucky yeah i mean those were the days i mean i i you know we were so free and young and and brave and all those things and you know devil may care and let's just live life and and it, it was a great time in, I think, this country. And it's in interesting is that it's a sign of the counterculture. And you, I read uh, about you that really one of the main things of the culture, the Miss America pageant, was the reason why you wanted to get in the show business in the first place. <laughs> it, it, it actually was, you know, as a little girl, there wasn't a lot you could see on a black and white television set, you know, that when TV first came out, I remember when it, for that I'm, you know, been here a long time. And I remember when TV first came out and, and there was Lassie and Ed Sullivan. These are the things I kind of remember. Um, uh, and the Miss America pageant was a big deal. Remember I, I'm originally from Dallas. And so in Texas, the Miss America pageant was like the thing. And so I remember being just a tiny kid, four, five, six, where Miss America pageants were on television. And that would be the, my mother, my mother was into it for one thing. And so we would have to watch it. And so I, um, I was way too 
dumb and short to realize I was much too short to ever be a Miss America, but, um, you know, girl can dream. So <laughs> I, and, um, and I would watch their talents and just get up in front of the TV and make fun of them with my sister and brother watching. And I could entertain people early, you know, four or five, six years old. You grew up in Dallas and I saw in an interview, you said that you were, you grew up with Morgan Fairchild. Mm -hmm. And somebody who I, I had on this podcast, William S. Bickley. Yes, yes, William S. Bickley. And we called him Bill then, and I call him Bill now, and I still see him and talk to him frequently, as well as Morgan. We're still all in touch with each other. We went to high school together, and we were in the drama department at our high school uh, called Lake Highlands High School in Dallas. And then we were all a member of a um, legitimate theater company called Theater 3, which was downtown Dallas. And um, we really learned our craft at a very early age, all three of us. Bill was an actor, and then he got into writing and um, got me my first job in Hollywood. And you were also a DJ. I was. I was a, wow, you've done your homework. Yeah. I uh, I was a, a, a teenage disc jockey. I had won some acting awards in Dallas. And there was the number one radio station at the time was called KBOX, KBOX. And they were looking for a teenager to be a DJ in the afternoon to raise ratings uh, and get more teens, younger people in tuned into the station. And so uh, because I'd won these awards, they came and entered. They, they called me in for an interview. I didn't even drive. My parent, my mother had to drive me or somebody. And um, they asked me if I'd like to be a disc jockey. And I said, well, yeah, what does a disc jockey do? They just talk. And so mostly it was like dedicating. Uh, and this song goes out to, um, you know, um, David and Kathy and Moose and Sherry and whoever, you know, and I would dedicate songs and talk about, school events going on in all over Dallas. And, and also at the time, so my title was Little Miss K-Box, which I guess today sounds a little funky, but anyway, any, I was Little Miss K-Box. And so um, back then they would do dances and want the teenage kids to come. The radio station would sponsor big dances in parking lots of shopping centers. And so I would promote those two and spin records. So it was a really good skill to have. At I think I was 14 when I did that job. 14, oh, 15. Wow. So that's before the like before the British invasion. Um yeah. I remember the song that I remember the most that I spent spend was uh, the boy from New York City. You know, and uh, so it was it was before the Beatles. It was definitely. Uh -huh. And then you moved out at 17. Yeah, I studied with Uda. I, I decided, um, you know, I, I went to I, I went to New York, came back for a couple of months for college. I went, nope, I'm going back to New York. And uh, I I know all this stuff already. And and um, so I moved to New York and I studied with Uda Hagen and I was a kid. And um, but I had a job. I was I I could always type really fast so I could always get a job anywhere I wanted so I could support myself very early on. I, I tell all my, um, anybody I can talk to or influence, particularly girls, 
I say, grab a skill, a skill that nobody else can do as well as you, so that you're always guaranteed a way to feed your face and have a roof. So, you know, it's really important to have a few, you know, skills. You appeared in a movie that was shot in Texas called The Pickle Goes in the Middle. Yeah, yeah that was a fun, there was, it was a lot of the local uh, Dallas kind of busy working actors and um, Larry O'Dwyer, um, who never really became a household word, but he, he was very much like Leslie Jordan. Um, he was in it and Charlie Bell Smith and just a, you know, it was a local independent, but union movie. And, um, and I played Greta and a Swedish, it was a comedy. It was very funny, actually. Yeah, I tried to look for a copy, but I, could, I couldn't get. I have a copy of it. I found it on, on the internet and I got a copy of it. I haven't, you know, I ought to take a picture of the cover so that the IMDb has a picture of it, the cover. But anyway, yeah, I did some independent non-union before I was in SAG. I did some independent uh, non-union films um, in New York as well before I moved to LA. But uh, so I did New York and then I went back to Dallas for a short stint and then LA back to New York and then LA. So I was always back and forth from New York. And we ever with the the Warhol crowd and those and those people or yeah I I um I'm friends with Viva on Facebook and some of those people that um uh I hung I didn't hang out there much. I have a couple of stories about that. I did audition for Andy Warhol for a um film and decided it wasn't for me and uh left, but I did audition for Robert Downey Jr. for Putney, I mean Robert Downey Sr. Robert Downey Jr.'s father for Putney Swope. Right. And um, I had a little bit part in that. And I did a few um, independent films that I'm not really credited with because we don't even talk about those because they're so long ago. Right. And they were very, very underground movies. You know, they weren't pornography in any way, but they were very underground. Putney Swope is a really good movie, as is, um, oh, I can't remember, Dynamite Chicken. Yeah, I wasn't in that. It was the it was the thing in New York those days to be yeah. as you know to be as underground as you could get, and and right. that was my scene, and and I loved it. You know, I loved meeting Warhol and some of those people too. And I run into a few of them here that are left, a few of them that are still here on the planet. Right. And then you moved to uh, Hollywood, mm -hmm. and you got your first job, um, um, William Bickley. On happy days. Yeah. Yeah. I called him up this day I landed and um, I called him up and I said, Bill, it's Susie and um, I'm here and I would love to see you. And he said, well, let's have lunch tomorrow on the set at Paramount. And I was all excited. I'd never been on a Hollywood set before. Oh my God. It was so thrilling. And um, so I drove over there and he had reserved me a beautiful place to park right in front of the stage. And we went to lunch and I was, he was introducing me to different people. And um, then we went back onto the set where I met, um, you know, the cast and uh, Henry Winkler came up and said, Hey, Bill, make up my girlfriend. And um, they wrote me in that week. And um, it was just a stroke of luck. And, I'm, I'll be forever indebted to Bill Bickley for that. And that was when the show was still filmed on on uh, 
take on film. Film, uh huh. It was not uh, in front of a live audience. So I, I did the first. I think it was the first season that I was on it. Yeah, I think it was towards the end of the first season. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, and everybody was really nice. And I am to this day, for you know, I I hung out a lot with Gary Marshall and Penny Marshall, and I'm really good friends with their sister, Ronnie Marshall. And so, you know, Hollywood is um, a smaller town than we think. And, um, you know, to be lifelong friends with those people is pretty amazing. So because yeah, you see like everybody worked with somebody and something else. Yeah. I mean, I was watching some award shows the other day and, and, and it made me, I don't know if it was the uh, Golden Globes or what, but it made me feel, I thought, wow, you're really old. Because I didn't know so many of the people. And I thought, I remember when my mother would say, well, who's that? And I thought, well, you, you're so squirrely. You should know who that is. And so I'm in that age now where I go, well, who's that? And I try to keep up. But, you know, it's just every year a whole slew of new talent that, move in and 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 become you know movie stars or celebrities and um actors working successful actors and so and that's i guess the way it's always been and always will be i think that um i mean my favorite show is saturday night live and i'll see who the host and the musical guests are and i gotta google them yeah yeah okay i'm not the only one no. <laughs> i'm not the only one i go and why did they pick them to be on it? Please forgive me. And um, um, yeah, and I'd go, well, why are they even on there? You know, because they, they're they sort of, eh, you know, not, it's, it's I don't know. I, I It's hard for me to watch it these days. Occasionally I'll want to see it, particularly if one of the old cast members are on, but otherwise not really, you know. It's been my favorite show since I was like eight years old, so. I well, I, have, I do have a real story. I mean, um, when they were casting it for the first season, um, I was on a series called Tony Orlando and Dawn. The and Rainbow Hour. Rainbow Hour. And it was uh, I was doing a lot of sketches with George Carlin and um, the different guests that came on the show. And George Carlin and I were both invited to audition for the first season of Saturday Night Live. And I... I was talking to him about it and I said, God, this sounds like really, it's kind of cool. It's in New York. And he said, no, no, they're not, they're not going to pay anything. We're making more money on this show. Let's just, you know, not even, it, it, they don't, we don't even know. It sounds stupid, whatever. And, and so I could kick myself in the butt for listening to George Carlin about that, <laughs> you know, but. Technically he was right. You were making more money. We were making more money and the show ended right away. So, you know, right. it, it ended in a second and I went, oh, shit. But excuse right. my mouth. But. No, it's a podcast. You can say whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, 1975, you were in Welcome Back, Cotter. Mm -hmm. And you were the girl from California, but you were really from Texas. Yeah, I was John Travolta's girlfriend on some of them and a couple of I did too and um um uh yeah I and I guess they I didn't know anybody on the show when I was cast 
uh, I was called into audition and I auditioned for Jimmy Comac and he cast me and he asked me a bunch of personal questions and I sort of answered them. And uh, the episode was called California Dreamin'. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that was the first one I did. And so I had to have that California look, which I did. And um, so they asked me about where I was from in Texas. And then they wrote the script around some of my personal real life right. um, facts. <laughs> yeah. And you you came on to Mr. Cotter and yeah, well, Bambi I mean, came on to everybody. <laughs> right. Were you, were you supposed to be recurring, but you had other jobs? I got another job. I got a, an offer to do um, a play at the Amundsen Theater, and um, and it was an opportunity to work with Tennessee Williams and to star at the Amundsen with Richard Chamberlain and Dorothy McGuire and Eleanor Parker and um, Raymond Massey. And I, I had always, my dream was not to come and do, my dream never was to do TV. Um, or really film. I just wanted to go to New York and do stage, but life um, um, led me where I ended up. But I, and I'm very grateful for that. But my first love was theater, and and to um, opportunity to work with Tennessee Williams was unbelievable. And um, so I chose not to uh, continue on to Cotter, but to uh, do the play. Yeah, I read the, the one of the best things about I'm a teacher in New York City, but mm -hmm. one of the best things about that is we have newspapers.com and I could just put in anybody's name and anything. So your reviews from Night of the Iguana were very good. Thanks. Thanks. I I I've all the things I've ever done, including the Hills Have Eyes, of all the things I've ever done, that is my favorite credit. Yeah, to work with that royalty that kind of royalty theater royalty is what all of them were and you were like the, the ingenue the the young girl yeah the lion, if you saw the movie it's the sioux lion role oh wow yeah okay yeah and, I could see and that. one night um richard we have a richard slaps me on the stage you know and there you know if you're in theater you you learn choreographed slaps and how to make it look real and um one night I don't know. I was too close or he was too far and he slapped me right in the face. I fell, fell down and oh, it was horrible and hurt so bad. And so, you know, when he hits me, I'm supposed to scream. I was really screaming, you know? <laughs> so, you know, there theater so much fun, you know, it's, it's all unpredictable, not being slapped, but you know, right. it's just, was that more painful or embarrassing? It was painful. More painful. Okay. the next day. It was really Ooh. painful. Yeah, he was mortified. He was, you know, on the on the scene change, and I had gone backstage. Are you okay? Are you okay? You know, so he was he was mortified. Crazy. And my understudy happened to be Taryn Power, and Taryn was Tyrone Power and Linda Christian's daughter, and um, we developed a deep friendship and we stayed friends until she passed, I think two years ago. So um, I've been, I've maintained friendships, uh, you know, even um, Larry Hilton, J Lawrence Hilton Jacobs from Welcome Back Cotter, we're still friends. So I'm kind of, I've stayed friends with Bobby and Ron Palillo 
until they passed away. So I've been friends with these people forever. Almost everybody I work with, I end up being friends with. Very collegial, very fun on the set. Yeah, I love to be on a set. I love to work. And and I love, I take it very seriously. You know, I, when a director calls me, they know they're going to get what they want because, you know, I, I, I'm a workaholic in terms of my craft. Um, I was able to see your Barnaby Jones and your Phyllis. Okay. Phyllis, the character is so just flighty and just from talking to you now, not you. So that must have been a lot of fun. Cloris Leachman was a lot of fun. You know, that, to work with her, opposite her, was a, a big it was that that was amazing. She she is was so gifted. And so as a young actress to work with people like Phyllis uh, um, Cloris Leachman is such a gift because you study. I, I would just sit there if I'm not on camera, sit there and watch her, you know, and learn from it. And, and uh, you just learn so much when you work with people that are so talented and such legends, really, icons. Did you ever get to, to meet the woman? I forgot her name, but she played the grandmother. She was in her 90s on that uh, show. You know, I think I did work with her and I met her, but I it's it's a vague no, memory. No. <laughs> it's kind of yeah, yeah. She, was, she was just really funny on that show. Yeah, she was. You you did a pilot called Over and Out. Yeah. That was remember? my favorite pilot of everything, of all the ones I ever did. It was with Michelle Lee and Ken Berry, and I played Cookie. And um, my favorite scene was when I jumped out of an airplane blowing my fresh na painted nails dry, and I'm in a parachute, and I land. And um, and we shot that, I think, at Paramount as well. And, um, it, and those parachute things are heavy, and they had a airplane actually on the set um you know half of an airplane and um so we really had to jump out and land on an, on padding you know that hurt mm. acting is very physical people don't understand right. i don't think people realize how physical it is you have to and, be in pretty good shape and and you know it's very physical <laughs> that's an amazing cast that i saw for that pilot and it aired too Yes, it aired that, but I wish I could get a copy of it. You don't have a copy of it, do you? I do not have a copy of it. I'll, I could check the Paley Center for you, but I don't have a copy of that. Well, I um, I would give anything to have a copy of that pilot. Um, I have a picture from the pilot, but um, that was I loved that part, and I it was Linda Bloodworth's first uh, show to go, and uh, that she'd written, and she's so brilliant, and. I just was certain that pilot would go. And I've done quite a few pilots, but I, I was certain that one would go. And and when it didn't, it was heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. The rejection. I mean, I could have played that part forever. It was so much fun and so well written and so well produced. Fun doing playing the World War II aspect of it. It was right. kind of a preempted uh, mash in a way, you know. Yeah. It, it was very kind of mash-like. And then you did a bicentennial special called You Had to Be There with Pat Paulson. Oh, my God. I need to talk to you more often. I mean, I've, 
Whoa. Okay. I mean, I don't even remember that. I'm vaguely, um, you don't have a copy of that. Do you? I don't have a copy of that. It was like the summer of 76. We filmed that in Philadelphia. And, and, and I, all I remember is it was the coldest I have ever been. And, oh my God, I thought I was going to freeze to death. It was snowing everywhere and Pat was cold. And I, I did the way I knew Pat, um, Paulson, I originally met him doing dinner theater, you know, in the seventies, dinner theater was a big thing. Mm. And so that's how I got to LA. Actually, I was on the road doing last of the red hot lovers playing Bobby Michelle with Pat Paulson and his agent, Ron Mason came to on the road because I'd been getting some really good reviews. And they came to see ICM, I think was the, the agency. And they came to they sent Ron to see me. And after that performance, they invited me to come to LA and I already had an agent when I got here. So that was pretty cool. I'm, I don't know if they managed me, I don't know, manager, whatever. I was, I, I was very lucky. And so that's how I knew Pat. And I'm not sure how Pat ended up in, how Pat or I ended up in that project we did in Philadelphia. But anyway, he was great. I loved Pat Paulson. That's his natural speaking, like tone, the way uh -huh. deadpan, that's how he actually naturally mm -hmm. talked. That's the way he really talked. Maybe oh. not quite that right. severe, but he, he, he talked with like that. Mm -hmm. And then the Tony Orlando and Dawn Rainbow Hour, they reran them 10 years ago on a Florida cable station called Sun. So there are they're they're out there. Um you got to work with Alice Cooper. Freddie, Freddie, Prince. Freddie Prince. Yeah. Uh, what was that like? Freddie Prince Sr. Um, you know, it was very fast paced. It was very fast paced. And so we would get to the studio, go right into makeup, wardrobe, hair, and, uh, sh and rehearse and then shoot. And, you know, um, it was the mid 70s. So Everybody was kind of high, you know. I mean, I didn't go to work high, but a lot of people were. And um, so uh, it was crazy. And uh, But they were fun, and everybody was really nice, really, really nice. I I don't know if Al – I think Alice Cooper was kind of straight shooter at that time. But, yeah, I got to work with uh, Steve Lawrence. I mean, there were some really cool people that came on that show. I was the dumb blonde on the show. So, um, um, and I, I got the audition by creating, um, a beauty contestant from, see, I'd never done stand up, and the audition was to bring in your stand up act and I didn't have one. And, um, Ron Mason was representing me and got me the audition. And I said, well, I, I don't know how to do stand up. And he said, just write something. And I wrote this funny Miss Mississippi a character and she was just dumb and southern and I twirled the baton and got the part. So That's great. Yeah. It was fun. And you're probably best known for the, the film The Hills Have Eyes. Definitely. And how how was that open like well you have the career probably you go you go to cons and signing shows and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Some. I do I go to some cons. Um 
It's not my favorite thing to do. Um, I love to meet the fans, um, but interrupting my own life in LA and being on an airplane every weekend to go to a strange city and sit there and sign my autograph um, is not always my favorite activity. You know, it's it's very hard work, and um, and I feel very guilty about selling pictures to fans that are there to meet me or the people, the guests that are there, the celebrity guests that are there. And and to charge somebody that looks like they probably don't have very much money um, for a picture, I have to do it because I have an agent there and they, right. uh, they make you sell them. And so it just makes me kind of go, eh, I, I feel weird about that. So... Yeah. I actually have never gone to one of those. I've I've gone to the when baseball cards were big when I was a kid. I went to the baseball shows, but I've never gone to a movie one be, because the, when they give you the list, they don't tell you like everybody who's going to be there. So it's like, is it worth my time driving three hours? Because there are none in New York to go to something in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Well, New but, Jersey has Chiller, I think. You know, yes. that, that's a big one. I want to do that one. But I haven't been invited yet, so I'd like to do thriller. I got to meet Henry Winkler at a book signing that I, that I go to because he's my one of my all-time idols. So I got to meet him. That was awesome. Well, I just did one with him, Henry, here in Hollywood, and um, so we hadn't seen each other in a long time. He was my very first actual date in. LA. And uh, we went out a couple of times. He was so nice. And he is the nicest man in Hollywood. And of all the people I've ever met, Henry Winkler is the nicest one. And um, I saw him a few months ago at a signing in, um, in Burbank. And um, it was like, oh my God, oh my God. And, you know, we hugged and kissed and, and, Donnie Most and Anson Williams were there, and we all had our pictures made together, and it was a lot of fun. I had Anson Williams on too. Uh, Happy Days is one of my all-time favorite shows. That that and Night Court are my two favorite sitcoms. Well, thanks. Uh, Happy Days was it. It was just very family oriented. I mean, everybody kind of cared about each other, and just the nicest people. And Ron Howard, my God, you know, who would have known he was going to end up being the top director in the world? practically and he's he's he was really nice as well he's just mm. so sweet and the hills of eyes is, is just an interesting thing because my dad when i was growing up said this is the scariest movie i ever saw i saw it in the theaters you're not allowed to watch it and then when we, then he said okay fine you can watch it and we were like it's not that bad <laughs> he swore well, that they ate a baby in the movie which i didn't and it wasn't even in the movie no they threatened to right. be they threatened to eat the baby. They didn't eat the baby. They did eat some of my father, but uh, you know, uh, but you know, hey, it things was happen. things happen, you know. Right. Uh, Wes Craven had a great imagination, and um, it was his second film, and so it was um, a privilege to star in that movie, and um, and he was wonderful to work with, and it was uh, it it. it the actual he was work, wonderful to work with it was really hot and cold cold at night hot in the day and and very primitive i had been kind of used to being having my own trailer and my own makeup person and whatever in la and then when i agreed to do that my agent didn't want me to do that movie 
Um, but I wanted to do a movie, something that was different than television because I'd done a lot of TV at that time. And um, I, I just wanted to be in a movie. And so I was offered the role and uh, I was shocked at how primitive the set can be, you know, on a low budget movie. It was an eye, eye opener. Not that I hadn't had those experiences in New York, but I, I thought that a Hollywood movie would you know, to have a trailer or something. Nobody had a trailer. <laughs> but, but what was the premiere like, though? I, you know, I don't remember much. I know I toured with um, Wes and Peter to a few openings in different cities. Um, um, it wasn't done with a bunch of fanfare like they are, like the movies are now. I honestly don't even remember a red carpet. There probably was one, but I don't even know that for sure. It wasn't a big deal when it opened up. And it it after it was released, it it gained momentum in terms of fans and people loving that movie. And then when it became it just all of a sudden became a cult classic after it was released. So, you know, it took time for that, though. Uh, it wasn't an instant su success like a lot of movies are. Yeah, I think the Z Channel and HBO probably had a lot to do with it in the late 70s, running it a lot. Maybe. Um, I know fairly early on, maybe 1980 or so, uh, it was put in the Museum of Modern Art on permanent collection. Now, I don't know if that's really true. Uh, I, at the time, it was as the best, the greatest terror classic ever made not horror the greatest terror classic yeah, i've seen it called a terror film mm. yeah which is it sounds better than horror film i'd rather yeah. be terrified yeah I'd rather be horrified <laughs> yeah pick one you want to be terrified or horrified <laughs> so yeah so I, that was kind of cool to be put into the museum of modern art as the you know a permanent in the permanent collection is the greatest terror. I'm sure it's been replaced by another terror movie. I don't know for sure, but that was at the time it was a big deal. Human Centipede would be a horrifying movie. I have never seen it. Neither uh, have I. <laughs> I've seen a clip of it, and it was and Tom Mix is what's his name? Tom that directed it. Um, I can't remember his last name. Anyway, I, he did offer me a role in another one that was sort of similar to that, and I didn't do that. You know, it's a little too graphic. Mm. And particularly as I get older, I mean, I'm very picky about what I do now because I would rather um, play music or write music than to um, be in something that I don't want to be in. I, I kind of go by the character. If I like the character, then I'll do it. When you came, when you were done filming, um... The Hills of Eyes, uh, you got a phone call for a television show. Yeah, Three's Company. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah. So I was in the grocery store. I'd just come back from the desert shooting. And we had no groceries in the house. So I was at the grocery store picking up groceries. And um, my agent called and said, get over to ABC this moment. I said, but I've got groceries. I don't care. Get over to ABC. They had fired somebody who had already been in rehearsal three or four days. And I, there were three or four days left to, my watch is talking to me. There were three or four days left to shoot. And um, so 
I dropped everything and went over to ABC and they gave me a shower and washed my hair and did my makeup and put on clothes. And I had these huge cue cards and I had to cram all these lines. And um, back then that you couldn't send that tape through the internet. So they had to get in an air, had an airplane that they flew my tape to New York for Freddie Silverman to see it. And I got the role, but my agent had them really over a barrel because um, I had a few fans by then and um, John Ritter and Joyce, Joyce hadn't done much at all and John hadn't done a lot. And so um, I was cast, but because they had lost so many days of rehearsal, um, my agent kind of negotiated me out of the show. So, um, but you know, it's it's one of those Hollywood things. I, I, you, an actor has to let the disappointments just roll off your back, just like your disappointments in life. We all have huge losses. And the older you get, the more losses you experience. And so I I'm always I'm always looking towards the future. Right. You know, what's what's next? Um, and so I didn't really, you know, I got I, I CBS offered me my own show after that. Uh, called Wilder and Wilder with Greg Malavy and Meredith McRae. And oh. it, it was a wonderful pilot. Again, it didn't go. Mm -hmm. And um, that was very disappointing. So yeah, I just I, thought it was weird that the original, the original Christy character was a woman named Suzanne, and then you, and then Suzanne Summers. Right. So they had the first name of the, who they wanted to play the act. The, yeah. See, even Suzanne didn't last that long. So, you know, no. it, it's like. And it was money, too. And and it was all about money. And, and when and, you know, it's just part of this town is about negotiating and power and money. And and, um, you know, I it was never com that aspect of it was never really comfortable for me. Um, I in the mid 80s switched more more of my focus to music because of my at the time boyfriend who later became my husband. But um, I, I really got into music and um, it, you just have more control over um, your choices and nobody breathing down your back, you know, facts of life. Um, I did a infomercial with uh, Lisa Welchel and Jill Whelan from love boat, Lisa Welchel from facts of life. And on the Facts of Life set, Lisa told me the day they would get, um, you say, the first day of rehearsals, Monday, where you do the table read, there's a scale by the t on the floor. And you mm -hmm. get on the scale and you weigh. And if you gained a pound, they take your line, every pound, they take a line, your lines. Mm -hmm. away. And um, uh, it, it at that time, girls, and I was playing girls at the time, even as, as I became a woman, I was still playing 16, 17, 18, um, were treated with a lot, you know, it wasn't terrible, but, you know, there was a lot of um, misogynistic activity going on. And I, I wasn't in love with that aspect. I was in love with acting. I wasn't in love with the games that go with it. And so, you know, you never really know the, the backstory behind everything. Lisa Welch was my first crush, by the way. I just wanted to throw that out there. She's I, she's sweet, sweet woman. 
I was six years old and I wrote her a fan letter and she wrote me back. So, oh my God. I'm sure it was like the worst written thing she ever received. I got, I will never forget my first fan letter was from Je a guy named Jesse Mendoza. Wow. And I never wrote him back. And I will regret that forever. If you're out there, Jesse, I'm sorry. <laughs> I would make it up to you. <laughs> Do you remember what it was from? Where was a fan of you from? I think it was Happy Days. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. um, Do you any, any remembrances uh, of working with Ned Beatty in Sisnick? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I Ned was a hoot. Um, a very, very serious actor, very temperamental actor. And I was a series, I was cast as a series regular on Sisnick. And again, I was not happy with that character too much. Again, I'm playing, you can play ditzy only so long, you know, another ditzy role. And um, so, um, yeah, I mean, Ned was great to work with. And Olivia Cole was fabulous. And Barry uh, Miller was in it. And um, there was some really good actors in it. Were you on Shana Na? Mm -hmm. I was a series regular doing stand-up again on that. And I loved that. I loved, because it was music you know, and comedy. And I have a cabaret show and it's music that I write mostly and comedy. And I love doing my cabaret show. I'm, I'm revamping it to do in New York, but, um, and you'll have to come. Um, um, yeah. um uh, anyway, I, um, it, that was a really fun gig hanging out with Sean on and I've kept, some relationships up with some of the the guys in the band. Yeah, I saw that. On, I saw that, and so that show was on the cusp of kind of have vague memories, but I knew my mother loved that one. I got to work with Chuck Berry on that show, cool. and, and we became friends. And um, I he we we were friends for years. Um, particularly after I got together with my husband, Delaney Bramlett, and they had a lot of musical respect for each other. Um, and that was, that was great, um, uh, to be able to be in the music world because of him, as well as he got to be in the acting world because of me. So, you know, it, there was a lot, of, there was some overlap, particularly with those musical variety shows. Yeah. In the seventies. Did you ever perform with them? Oh, no, I didn't. Oh, my gosh. I would have said, we've got to play it on the show. <laughs> no, that would have been my dream come true. I mean, he he was amazing. Uh, a little a little wild, but oh, my God, he was so cool. So nice. Yeah. That duck walk is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Are yeah, you? I've worked with some. So I have been so blessed. I mean, talking to you makes me remember some of the stuff. <laughs> I forget about, I have worked with some amazing iconic legends that are, you know, I'm so lucky that I got to do that. And you were in an, you were in an Irwin Allen movie, which is another legend. The night the bridge fell down. Yes. Yeah. I was Desi Arnaz's wife, junior, Desi Arnaz yes. junior's wife in that. Yeah. Is he cool? He seems like a cool guy. Desi Arnaz. He's so sweet. Yeah. We had a good time. And and I wasn't playing a teenager. I was playing a mother. We had a baby. Right. Yeah. And the only problem with that movie is it didn't come out theatrically. 
It came out as a TV movie, and you know when they aired it? No. Against the final episode of MASH. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's nobody would watch it then. <laughs> Nobody's gonna watch the night the bridge fell down if you're gonna watch the final episode of MASH. You know, I probably was in the recording studio at that time or hanging out with in music, and I, I don't I never kept track really of when these things would air. It wasn't like video or YouTube where you could go right. see anything. So I would just act in them and then they would just show up and somebody say, Oh, you were I saw you in such and such. I go, you did? When was, when was that? So I was, I, I didn't, it's never been my favorite thing to watch myself anyway. So, you know, it's, it's, um, cause I could sit there and, you know, tear myself apart. Now I like to look at these days. I love to look and go, Oh, wow. I wasn't, I was pretty cute back then, you know? So uh, you look yeah. pretty much the same. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm, I could be those girls' grandmother now, but, you know, but thank you. Yeah, I want to ask you about your cabaret act. When did you start that? Uh, in the 80s. I started singing at the Palomino Club. I was doing some country music. Um, oh, how that started is Brian De Palma asked me to audition for a movie that he did, was going to do, direct. And I think, I don't know if he ever did it or not, I, a girl rock group. And I, and so Delaney Bramlett put together his band to back me. Um, Glenn Harden was in the band. I mean, Elvis's band, backup band. Delaney put that together. And I did the audition at the Whiskey A Go-Go. Oh, and I wow. played the Yamaha piano. And um, I did not get the part, but I got the bug. And I went, whoa, I love this. And he helped me put together a band. And I, we ended up breaking up sometime after, shortly thereafter. But we continued being songwriting partners and best friends. And then we would go back together and break up and back together and break up. And we got married. But um, uh, I remember that... Um, I got the bug on that Brian De Palma audition and, and I went, Oh, I want to do this now. Um, it's much more fun than acting. <laughs> so, um, so I did it. I played all the clubs in LA. I had a wonderful band. I played the Rose Tattoo, which was a cabaret club owned by Jenny Fote and Pam Genovino in West Hollywood. And they would, they kind of gave me the Saturday night spot. And um, that was in West Hollywood, which is, you know, very gay. And so I started doing all this camp comedy for the audience. And, um, and it, it took off and it, it was successful. And I got to play the parades and all that stuff. So that was cool. You know, I love doing that. I love doing cabaret and, and, and not just doing music, but integrating it with a little bit of comedy about whatever the song is going to be. And that's the question I was going to ask. What kind of, do you do the full spectrum country, 70, 60s rock, your own songs that you've written? In my show, I mostly do my original songs. I do sing Superstar sometimes. That was written by my husband and Leon Russell. Um, and I, um, 
um, do a couple of other songs that other people I'll leave your hat on Randy Newman. Uh, but mostly it's my own material because I tell a story starting from, you know, gr growing up in Texas. I, I used to watch Roy Rogers on the TV. And so I have a song called if Roy Rogers was my daddy, because I'd watch TV and pretend that he was my father because he was so nice. And my father was a little crusty sometimes. And I, you know, I, so they're all funny. I yodel in it. And then, and then I do a lot of blues. I call it swamp. I call it swamp music. It's very yep. bluesy and swampy. And swamp cabaret is what I. The show's it. called Swamp Cabaret. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What did you think of? I don't know if you've seen of the scene in Tommy Boy when David Spade and Chris Farley sing Superstar. I'm. I don't remember okay. seeing that. Um. You know. I. I know that Delaney was thrilled when uh, we watched Juno and Sonic Youth. Um. Had that that you know sonic youth had recorded it and um it was always a thrill for him when anybody would record that song you know i didn't write it and so um it you know it was his song it was a great song and delaney and bonnie was a wonderful band and and that you know they had a lot of hits and um and it was i didn't know him at that time or her either and um it, it was a wonderful time and you know and our country's music you know yeah hopefully you have like you have an email address so that if people listen to this they want and they want to see this and they live in new, in new york they could get tickets when it happens um yeah um uh i'm in a website a website i i have i will at facebook and instagram I'll be announcing all that on those. Right. I let my my website sort of dwindle by the wayside. I am going to be putting it back up, but I prefer to be contacted through Instagram or Facebook. DM me, or I will have ads for. I'm going to try to perform my show at Pangea in the on the Lower East Side, and so if you know, um, and Midtown as well. So. If you want to come DM me, I'll put you on a list and let you know when I'm doing it or look out, follow me and, and you'll see when I'm going to be doing it. I will definitely do that. That sounds like a lot of fun. Um, I just want you have another, you're a photographer. Yeah. And which is funny, you guest starred on the Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen TV show as a photographer. Yeah. You were already known in the, in the business as an actress who's also a photographer. Yeah. But now you're leaning more towards photography. When I, I, I'm not um, embarrassed to say that, you know, it's a difficult transition to go from ingenue, ditzy, young, size zero to woman in, in Hollywood. You sort of can use up um, a lot of people. The, the career slows down and it happens to everybody, really. Um, I'm not. I was never, um, you know, um, Meryl Streep or anything like that, but it happens to everybody. And I, I need to be creating something all the time. And, I, and as a little girl, I always had a camera in my hands, a brownie camera that my dad gave me. And, and I was shooting all the time. And so when my career slowed down a little bit, I needed to make more money. And uh, so I, uh, 
dreamed one night I was a photographer and I woke up and I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. Then I have time to act if I get offered a part and I can shoot if I don't. And it's, I started off, I called um, Dennis Haskins from Saved by the Bell. That show was not on yet. He was just a actor in LA. I said, Dennis, can you come over here and let me try to shoot your some headshots? And he went, yeah. I said, I'll do it for free. And um, um, I just need to learn how to do this. And he came over to my house and um, I shot his headshots. And I, then I asked another friend, I did about three people. And then an agent called me who saw the last shot shoot and said, call me up a big agency and said, how much do you charge? And I went, uh, like, can I call you back? I didn't even know what I charged. <laughs> I'd never charged anybody. And so I uh, did my research. I called her back and I said, okay, so I'm going to charge this. And, and um, she started sending me all these people. And within a year I was shooting almost every day and it was, it was great money. And um, then I started doing models and record, record um, album covers and musicians shots Um I shot for Neiman Marcus a lot in Dallas. I shot the Dallas market a lot. I was on an airplane a lot shooting. Paris, London, New York, you know, wow. Nashville. And um, and it, it's been a wonderful career. It's I, I did four album covers um, in October. So, you know, I still, I still do it from time to time. I'm at an age where I, I don't love working too hard physically, you know, because, you know, I'm always kind of stiff the next day or whatever, <laughs> but, but it's, um, it's been really a fun job. I turn on the rock music and whatever I want and I don't have to have any makeup on, you know, my overalls and just shoot and make them look good. So it kept me off the street. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, uh, you still have a dark room in your house or no? I never have. I never have used a dark room. Oh, what am I thinking? It's, yeah. When I no, when I started, it, there was no digital. There, right. ever, and the light had to be measured with a light meter. I mean, you had to know what you were doing. And um, I've never had a photography class. I read the manual, but who taught me mm, the tricks was a lab here in Hollywood called Isco Lapisian. Isco was a big, famous lab. And he liked my work and he would give me, Suze, if you light it just a little bit more here and blah, 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 blah. and he taught me so much and he passed away. And it was one of the most heartbreaking things for me because I will forever be in, indebted to Isco for teaching me how to be a good photographer. And um, so he always did all the darkroom work and the printing and the proof sheets. That's when you had to go get proof sheets and give them to the client. And then when digital came out, I said, oh, I'll never do that. I'm going to stay legitimate. Well, actors were calling going, you do you do digital? No. Okay. Well, I got to have digital. I went, well, I better get on board. So now I just sold all my film cameras. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for doing this. I had a great time. Hopefully you did as well. I did, Ian. I had a really good time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And um, yeah, follow Susan Lanier, Suze Lanier Bramlett. I kind of go by both, but the music is sort of a Suze Lanier Bramlett kind of thing. And the acting is Susan Lanier always. And uh, you can follow me on Facebook or Instagram. And I have some YouTube videos up. I just released a a Christmas song called Merry Christmas on my own at Christmas that was played on the radio 
And so, um, you know, I'm on Twitter and um, um, X, is that what it's called now? And threads. So I'm easy to find. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Have a good day. Thank you. Thanks for having me.